Hi, I'm Erin. And I'm Kimona. And this is Rebels Advocate, the podcast where we break down the shit show that is the current social climate and reframe the radical. Let's get started. Hello, Erin. Hello, Kimona. How are you doing? Swell. I am swell. That is wonderful. It is a quick turnaround for us this week, folks. <laughs> An early recording. An early evening recording uh, because your girl's going on a family vacay. To the motherland. The motherland. Yup. Um, I've been tracking the weather like crazy because there was like a brief tropical storm situation. But we're fine. I think it's just going to be maybe a little bit rainy for the last two days is what it's looking like now. And so I hope that by saying it on air, I am cementing it into existence. <laughs> Manifestation. No, I'm, I'm manifesting good weather. I support it. I think you can do it. Thank you. I mean, either way, you'll you'll be on vacation and you won't be here. So Exactly. It'll be a change of pace. It'll be nice. I'll get at least a glimpse of the land that my people are from. So, you know, better than nothing. Because you're all Jamaican. Oh, yeah. You're fun. I'm I'm a whole hodgepodge of Western European. Hey, that's kind of fun, too. Like a little grab bag. <laughs> you know, that is fair. For, in defense, my children, they're going to be, you basically, what they look like is you could just put a hand in a bag and pick an ethnicity okay that will be kind of fun yeah they could like, look like you like you won't know what's coming out <laughs> <laughs> i can probably guarantee that they're pale valid um yeah and definitely have anxiety problems <laughs> mm. yeah that's the same um if i was to birth mm, i don't think i'll do that that's a whole other conversation though <laughs> Oh, alas. Well, that's fun. I'm glad you're going on vacation. That'll be good for you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you know who's not going on vacation? Me? <laughs> well, yeah, but I was trying to segue. You know, people who are canceled. <laughs> I know, but like I saw that that's where you were segueing, and I was like, let's not let this happen. <laughs> but I, you gotta Come let me it. do my cheesy bits. <laughs> that wasn't even cheesy. That was just bad. You're better than that. Valid. Thank you for holding me to higher standards. Thank you for <laughs> holding, holding me you accountable. accountable. <laughs> That's a better segue. <laughs> Speaking of holding people accountable, like Kimono's bad jokes, cancel culture. Let's talk about it. It's a it's a big one, and I'm kind of surprised we haven't tackled it like in its glory and nuance. Right, because it's a beast. Cancel culture is a beast. Um, kind of like a dragon, uh, because it doesn't actually exist. At least not in the way that we talk about it. Um, not in the way that people like to weaponize it. Because, uh, like, if I ask what is cancel culture, I assure you that everyone has a different idea. Everyone has a different answer. Yeah, what I think of, too, is that when you probably, like, the assumption under, like, cancel culture is usually, like, a misnomer of what liberals would be into canceling holding people accountable um but i wouldn't consider it a particularly liberal concept 
Mm -hmm. I think it's again, like diluted. Um, and it's a facade of like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They're canceled, but it's an easy way. Um, for people to do the opposite and not hold people accountable. It's an easy way to say, Oh, let's not think about them anymore. Let's not do the hard work. It, it is. Um, and it's, there are so many, so many places to go here, but what, what I think is really interesting with cancel culture is like, if you really strip it down to the bare bones, all it really is, is someone said something or did something you know, performed some kind of interaction with society and people in said society didn't love how they did the thing or what they said and said, hey, maybe don't be like that. Why is that so hard for people? I think also, though, people don't really do that anymore. Maybe that's how it started, like with the positive outlook of saying, here's a thing, a person that if when, Jesus Christ, <laughs> what just happened? I don't know. My cat just like sprinted out of the bathroom like its life depended on it. And all I saw out of the corner of my eye was it just shooting across and my heart went to my throat. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> Sam, keep that in. That was a beautiful moment. Um oh my Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh. As I was saying before Tony kindly interrupted. Um also she's up for adoption. Anyone wants her. <laughs> I'm fostering her. So Now Tony she's wants to be a co-host. Now she's meowing. Well, back to other things that are more important than my cat's gossip. Um, <laughs> is the, Although it probably came from a good place, this intentionality of holding people accountable for actions that aren't acceptable. Um, and there's huge like movements of that. Like think of Me Too. And great, great steps. But it's easily shifted for people to take that and run with it, you know, and really just cancel people without holding them accountable. No action steps, no forgiveness, no growth, as well as people just canceling people for saying things they don't like. There's a big difference between someone doing something problematic and objectively immoral or toxic especially if there's somebody that holds a large platform, as we've discussed before, that accountability as being someone with a large platform because you're, you're semi-responsible for the actions of your, um, your following. But at the same time, there's a lot of people who co-opt this positive thing of holding people accountable for their, ac their actions and holding consequences for their actions um, and really just trying to get someone out of the spotlight and cause harm and wreak havoc, truly. <laughs> and it's simply because they don't like what someone said, not necessarily because it's an issue, just something that they don't agree with. Right. And I think this is one of the one of the issues that comes up with not really having a strong definition of what cancel culture is, because 
I feel like you can push that and and say that that's just the way it works being in the public eye, that some people will not agree with you and they're going to be loud about it. They're going to be loud that they don't like what you have to say. Um, and I think that to an extent, if you are a public figure, that is to be expected. And like, I, I totally see that there, there are definitely times where people have a tendency to like pile on people um, where you'll get like whole like mass trolling events if we want to give them a name. But again, I wonder if that's less of a cancel culture thing and more of a we live in the age of the internet and anonymity and this is a part of being in the public eye. Yeah, I mean, I think that's food for thought for sure. Like, we've, we've talked about this before. Um, I wish I could, like, at an episode because I don't remember which one it was. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, there is there is certain baggage that comes with being in the public eye. And it is to be expected. But there is – it's just devolved into this – issue between people being able to function in society and voice their opinions and say things that they are passionate about. But it's also like, it's kind of hard because I think people get canceled for one, strong opinions or dumb mistakes, like using slurs in a, like a, video they didn't expect to be public or saying something inappropriate in a tweet. Like there are a lot of people as celebrities, public figures that have had those issues. Um, In this episode specifically, I don't think it's much worth talking about just like every person who's ever been canceled, but kind of just, you know, topical ones that we've heard recently Um, and kind of what's up with that and what's problematic there. Um, and I think cancel culture can be largely rooted into, you know, what I was beginning to say there of like movements of giving survivors of abuse, um, space to hold their, um, abusers accountable, like Me Too movement, because that's really where it started in my mind, where it started that people were like holding these major powerful white men responsible for Mm -hmm. their actions. So I think it's largely due to sexual assault survivors um, that this, this whole movement has started. However, it's quickly turned into a, something that we no longer can want to have. Right. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't know what the right word is. I don't want to take that as my own. We're not into it. Like, like you said, it's, it's fake and it's frustrating because I think it started from a good place. I think it started with good intent and I think there's something really powerful in everyday people talking about how a powerful person is doing something wrong and that there should be consequences for their actions, whether it's small or large but people have definitely taken that and run with it and gotten carried away. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. It has these roots in, honestly, in like this this restorative justice kind of ideology of 
speaking out when a harm has been done, of asking for that person to acknowledge the harm and for some kind of action to be taken to reduce the harm or um, like fix it if possible or re- repair the harm. That's the terminology I was looking for. But <laughs> that is definitely not what happens. And I think part of it is... I, I would argue a little bit of like this kind of mob mentality that we often get into. Right. Um, and it's, it's really hard to have this kind of like open and honest, real conversation with vulnerability and all of the parts that are necessary if we're going to look at things through a restorative justice lens on a public level. It's, it's really difficult, especially if it's multiple, like if it's just like the general public calling for for accountability it's a lot harder to figure out what is the the right steps there and what's like the right thing to do and i think we often in in the cases that are labeled as like cancel culture it's it stops at the calling out harm right that's where it ends and that's why it's problematic right one thing that i think is a positive like an action step for people like everyday laymen to take in participating in cancel culture in a positive lens, you know, instead of canceling someone for making a mistake or being problematic in a much greater way, um, is really rejecting support. Like it's definitely possible and helpful to stop buying products from a company that's doing something problematic, start posting about it, start talking about it and holding conversations because you want to hold said influencer, said company, whatever, accountable for what they've said or done and give them room to make amends, whether that be um, via an apology, uh, promise to do better, action steps, of course, is what we're really calling for, whether that's monetarily, changes in policies, changes in behavior, education. There's a long list of ways to go. Um, And in terms of rejecting support, I think it's really important too for people to reflect on, you know, celebrities that that they're no longer comfortable supporting um, because of the actions that they've taken and the inability to hold themselves accountable and to take the word of people that are like bringing this up talking about it, canceling them um, without taking it seriously and apologizing. You know, we talked about this with uh, with Cuomo. He can't even admit that he did something wrong when it's so blatant. Um, and I'm thinking of a specific TikTok that I saw the other day of this person. Um, and the video is just like, celebrities I no longer support um, without, but it like, they didn't provide context. They didn't say why they didn't support this person, but they were all pretty general that like most of us know about now, Ellen, Sia, um, Drake Bell, people like that. Um, and the comment section was really interesting. I didn't go through like the hate comments, but the pinned comments of this person, and this was like a young person they were probably a teenager or like maybe early like 20 I don't know unlikely but a young person and her response to seemingly hate was 
just saying, I never said they were canceled. I just said I reject, like, I no longer support them. Um, And I think that's a very important distinction, right? Like, they weren't saying, we should all hate these people. You're, You're a bad person if you follow them and like them. But I think that was a good way of phrasing it of people that you no longer support because I know like Ellen DeGeneres was my hero. Mm. I watched, stop laughing at me. I know it's embarrassing. I'm a classic white girl. I'm only laughing a little. I'm I'm laughing with you. No, you are not. (laughs) I'm a classic white woman. Um, But I, I was obsessed with the idea of there was this queer woman whose whole premise was, helping people and promoting kindness. I loved that. And I envisioned having the power to do that one day to give and be generous and promote kindness. And, you know, to find out that that's a facade was unfortunately not super surprising. Like I had to have known something. Hi, Apollo. I hear him. (laughs) I I think my father came home. I think that's what happened. But who let him downstairs? Oh, Tony can't hear it, but she responded. Nice. Nice. What were we talking about? Ellen. Yeah, I wasn't really surprised, per se, because I must have subconsciously known that something was a little too too perfect, you know, the rose-colored glasses. But... It was just so frustrating to idolize someone and someone's behavior for it to all be fake. And it's disappointing, um, even more disappointing that with people coming out about it, she was not apologetic. She was extraordinarily defensive. And, you know, all of the follow-ups to it were just as heinous. And now I couldn't possibly want to be associated with her I would never want to meet her and you know it really puts it puts you through a lot to really realize someone that you put on a pedestal is nowhere near the person that you thought they were um which is humbling you know celebrities are people but you know I really wanted to embody that and it's hard to believe that that kind of action is real by anyone if you know, someone like that could be so harmful. It's, yeah, that's really, I think that would resonate with a lot of people. I think it's so easy to forget that, like, all these people are, you know, they're regular humans, too. Um, Also, not to derail the conversation to be about Ellen, but I think something that's really interesting about that specifically is all the celebrities who are like major fans of hers or were like on the show who were then like coming out and being like, well, I have had just amazing experiences with Ellen. And I, I feel like that's not something that's usually seen in these types of situations. Also, why does that negate people's bad experiences? Exactly. It, like, it doesn't. <laughs> just because she's done bad things doesn't mean every interaction she's ever like, I'm not thinking that, her whole persona was based on malice and that she was cruel to everyone, you know, but 
clearly the person that she was projecting every day on live television was, is not that person. Um, and, you know, I think it's telling that of course, like celebrities who have minimal interactions and, you know, publicized and expensive interactions, like a lot of the people talking about their experiences are employees who are probably not paid very much and overworked and young and in the beginning of their career. And then I think of some like of the people that have been on the show who are not nearly as popular or known also talking about it like that should be more telling that her interactions with more common people are the the problems right like if there's if, if there's a bit of a hierarchy at play here then like maybe 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 she's a little problematic which it's been proven that she is um but i also think we're just going to keep talking about Ellen for a hot second because okay. like, I think this is she, a great example, a, actually. She is a good example because she's not objectively a horrible person. It's not like she's a Harvey Weinstein. Exactly. But she's a good example of cancel culture in a whole. I think something that's really interesting is that – and like, maybe this doesn't fall into the category of um, – of accountability as neatly as I would like it to, because it's, you know, not like the harmed, like getting the, the harm repaired. It's, but Ellen is basically being deplatformed. Her platform is being taken away because, you know, with this negative publicity, views go down. Who was watching daytime television to begin with? I know some people still do, but like that's already going down. Ellen's not the big draw she is anymore. Plus all of this, like time to go. She also, um, I mean, allegedly may have been planning to leave anyways. Like it's been a while. Uh, But I think, you know, in an ideal world, instead of people just like going out and quote unquote canceling people, you know, and just like having the anger, you'd see more of like, oh, this person did something. There would be a point of recognition. That would be ideal. Um, but then like you would have this follow through of people being deplatformed. And this is something that like doesn't usually happen. And of course, again, other factors that played into it largely a lot more than any of her problematic nature did. But I'd like to think that it's <laughs> that that there was something there. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point, too, though, to remember that there is some responsibility in the way that these people are responding to being canceled by the responses of the cancelers, us, the normal people, the, I don't know, I was going to try to find a word for, like, the celebrities that aren't causing harm, but I couldn't think of a word. Um, but it is partly our responsibility for how they're acting because if we're coming at them with anger and no forgiveness and empathy how are they going to change of course they're responding with defensiveness and anger and hostility back 
not that they should be given the benefit of the doubt per se. I guess it depends on the circumstance. But if we meet people with compassion and perhaps instead of saying, I'll never watch your show again, I'll never think about you ever again, I want throwing out everything that I've ever owned, like meeting people with, hey, I would like you to address this, like, you know, kind of meeting people with demands and like giving them room to grow and learn from their mistake and see why we're hurt. And I think that if people are only coming at you with hate comments and saying, and like people come out with like crazy stuff. I don't know how like responding to someone's bad behavior with death threats, like you're just as bad of a person, if not worse. Yeah. If you're coming at someone that you don't know who didn't harm you personally or in any capacity with a death threat or threatening to hurt their family, like people behind screens really have the audacity because that doesn't make you a good person. It just doesn't. It, it doesn't. And I think that's also really important. I think that's part of the reason why cancel culture is, you know, an attempted thing to label because it is a very, there, there are very specific in, instances of people just like being horribly cruel. And like, that's not going to get anyone anywhere. I think I think that's what our biggest problem is with cancel culture. It it came from this great concept like we've talked about but it has become so toxic. People have taken it as an opportunity to create spaces where people are not allowed to do better. And that's frustrating, especially like like I hope that's understandable. Like if you're listening to this podcast, I hope that you expect this to be our reaction because obviously like as liberal people, we are in agreement that people who mess up and people who do bad things um, should hold, should be held accountable and have consequences for those actions. However, we also are very adamant on this podcast that people should learn and grow from their mistakes and take accountability for those things. That's what we do here. We talk about all the time how we ourselves have grown from things that we have said and learned in the past. And I think there's certainly circumstances where people go through similar journeys of something that's not a huge deal. Like if someone tweeted something when they were 14 that was problematic I'm not saying that, that that that's exempt, but if they are apologetic, if they've taken steps to make amends with whatever community they've hurt, you know, taken proper, effective action steps to prove to their following, to prove to the world that they're going to do better and what they did is not, that is not them anymore. That's what we should be rooting for. That's what we want people to do because no one's going to go through life and have never made a mistake and never have done something problematic. And especially since the world shifts all the time, what is acceptable and funny changes all the time. And again, doesn't mean it's okay that whatever happened when 10 years ago is okay, but you're allowed to learn and make mistakes and grow from that. And cancel culture does not allow those things to coexist. 
I think that's a really good point. I Something that I've noticed, and you know, you just got me thinking about this, is the ways people respond to being called out are really a fuel for this this concept of cancel culture. Because I'm thinking about like the the people who have been canceled, you know, every time I say cancel, it's, it's in air quotes, just FYI. Um, but recently, like the baby, um, you know, and it's if you look at the response that he had to being called out for saying nasty homophobic things. It was, well, I should be allowed to, you know, say what I want, like these blah, 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 blah. Like everyone just wants to cancel me. Like when you have such a defensive and negative response, I think that really is when the conversation of, oh, you're just trying to cancel people really begins. Because I have witnessed people on TikTok, on YouTube, make mistakes, be called out about it. And like, you know... (laughs) Unfortunately, there are people who are still going to be mean when they call people out. But even so, like recognizing that, you know, you have a public platform that people aren't always going to be the nicest. They take that and then they're like, oh, I did do something wrong. Let me apologize. And basically every time I've seen that, when people actually apologize and change their ways or commit to like making changes in the way they live their life, there's no quote unquote cancel culture reaction. I think that's a that's really interesting to examine. Like, it's easy to think that cancel culture is fueled by the people calling people out, but I'm wondering if more so it's fueled by the people being called out. Right, right. That makes sense. I mean, I think about these kinds of things all the time of, you know, technology and social media and the power it's given our generation, millennials, um, and how as we get older, there's going to be less and less opportunity for anyone in the public eye, whether it's future politicians, future celebrities, whatever. We're going to have a whole new generation in those major political and powerful spaces. And at a certain point, it'll come to a time when none of us don't have old tweets and old videos of us when we're young. And when you're young, you make mistakes and some of them are harmful. And I think that especially is what both worries me and also has me a little hopeful. Like part of me wonders if people will be more compassionate Because Mm. I think right now it's really easy for people to be like, I would never do that because there's no evidence that they ever did. But, you know, come 30 more years and it's going to be a little harder to be like, I would have never tweeted that. I would have never made a joke about that. And then realistically, all of our lives are recorded in some capacity um, right. Whether like if visual, someone, visual, audio, written, it's going to be down somewhere. If someone could just pull up receipts immediately. Literally. literally. Like it's literal. The internet is forever. <laughs> yeah. And especially if you're going to like major public eye and people want to do some digging, just because you deleted it doesn't mean it's not there. And, you know, that scares me, even though I ha- probably didn't really do anything. But I like imagine I'm like, what if? There was this moment 
that I don't remember. <laughs> and I was toxic. No, and this is there on this the is internet. This is really interesting because I was the kind of child who thought about this all the time. Maybe it's the anxiety disorder. Maybe it's my mother constantly reminding me that the internet is forever. Who knows? But I like make distinct like internet choices at an early age. I think I've mentioned this before, but on <laughs> every social media platform, I'm at Kimona Elizabeth. Like I branded myself. And I and it went even That's like beyond that. Okay, first of all, like who would have known? I was literally like 12 and I was like, yeah, I'm gonna use the same username. Like nobody did that. My email was the awesome show because I had an imaginary webcast with my neighbor. Wait, foreshadowing. Sort of. I don't know. I was a well, I guess this hasn't really changed. I was gonna say I was really bossy when I was younger. And I also had this like weird concept that like my childhood bedroom when I was eight, that I was convinced that like I looked old enough and that my room looked old enough to be perceived as I was a college student with my own apartment. So I was performing for no one and that was the vision that if it was live, thank God, thank God for our parents that they wouldn't let us publish, like publish it once YouTube started to exist. We were like, why can't we do it? Why can't we be iCarly? They were like, nope. Thank God for that because it didn't even take us. Like middle school, we realized that that was a dumb idea. And thank Please God Please tell me that. that these videos still exist somewhere. Um, Probably on a like really old computer somewhere. On a bad hard drive. I had like a flip camera. I don't know if anyone remembers those. It was like the size of a, like a palm. And it just had a little lens. And a tiny, tiny little camera. And that's how I did everything. I recorded every moment of my life, honestly. And look at you now. Trauma. <laughs> um, if you ever find any snippet of those videos. Of the awesome show? Yeah. We, we have to let the people witness we, it. We had over 100 episodes, dude. Oh my god, you have to find them. This existed for a long time. <laughs> so basically, we have to find them and then we have to see if you're going to be canceled. <laughs> <laughs> honestly the worst that could possibly be in those videos is me like yelling at my american girl dolls i was trying to think of a joke there and do it one. you won't yeah so but i did not have the foresight that you did but I, I i'd like to think that i was i was also very cautious like my parents were very clear and open with me of like the internet's forever and i'm also just a paranoid and a rule follower i always have been um I still am a role follower. It's, it's silly. <laughs> um, I'm like, how am I both a rebel and a rule follower? It's okay. We both are. It's it co- it co-exists somehow. Yeah. It's an interesting dichotomy. <laughs> <laughs> I love the word dichotomy. Why don't we use that? That should be a bingo thing. I'm going to start using that more. Okay. Um, but yes. I, I agree that I, I think, but where, where it slips for me is not, not the things that like in the time, like at the time you didn't know was a bad thing. So even if you are cautious and you're putting something there, if you don't know that that's bad or it becomes public knowledge that that's not okay anymore, um, like maybe you said the R word in a middle mm. school tweet because it was okay. 
Granted, I have never said the R word since seventh grade when I took my pledge or sixth grade when I took my pledge. Okay, I said it one time and I was really embarrassed and then I apologized <laughs> to everybody. Not you canceling yourself. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. Because I said never and that's so strong. But legitimately from sixth grade, I have said it potentially two times. I don't know. But like I, I, I gave some more wiggle room in case I, someone brings the receipts out. Just in case, because you never know. <laughs> They'd be like, actually, on my, in my diary from seventh grade, I remember that Aaron said our word. Oh, sorry. But yeah. So that's something that I think about <laughs> collectively. Like if it can happen to us and we're not famous yet, there's time. Yet. I, we'll get there. We expect to be um, on tour. <laughs> Kimona has it all laid out, guys. You oh, I have you plans. Don't, you don't know. My tour outfits would be great, but I digress. Tour outfits? Okay. Hello? If you think I'm not turning the tour into a fashion show every night, different fit. All right. Well, before we run out of time here, one thing that I think we can tackle is like – this dichotomy of um, how you can separate the art from the artist, right? People that Mm. have caused harm and that you no longer support. um, How, if at all, can you separate the art from the artist? Which I think is particularly hard when you have, like for some things it's really easy, like you didn't really care or you didn't have a strong allegiance, but like, I think one really popular one for a lot of millennials is Harry Potter. Um, Just a quick brief interruption for uh, fuck turfs. Um, Amen. So this is a safe space for all. We love trans and non-binary people here. Um, So fuck turfs. So JK Rowling, hugely problematic. Um, So bad. You know, her first slip up, people were like, okay, maybe she just messed up. Let's give her some room. And then it's, become extremely evident that she is a turf and does not support the uh, trans community in any capacity. And we do not stand for that. Uh, And that was really, really hard for a lot of people. Um, But that definitely comes into this line of, can we still love Harry Potter when JK Rowling has tainted it? And I would like to say yes, (laughs) because I think one thing that a lot of Harry Potter fans say is you know, it was helpful for a lot of people in a tough place when they were in a when they were younger and going through a hard time. And it's not fair that she gets to have that over us that we can't love something that mattered just because she's the one who wrote it. Um, but in a broader spectrum, you know, it is hard when something that an artist has done, you know, by still consuming that art you are paying for them to have this rich, positive life when they should be facing consequences. Um, And I think a lot of celebrities and people who have been canceled or been held accountable and called out for their actions kind of use that as a scapegoat of like, well, people aren't going to stop. People aren't going to stop reading and watching Harry Potter. I'm fine. People aren't going to stop listening to my music. People aren't going to stop doing this. Um, And that's unacceptable. So I think it is in our line of duty to make sure that we're 
you know, following through on that, that like, if we don't support someone, we're not, we don't want to be supporting them financially. So, you know, finding other ways to navigate that and still be able to consume the art. Um, for example, like Harry Potter books exist in at the library. Like you're not buying that. You're not financially supporting her, uh, but you can still consume a beautiful story. And I think that's important that there are ways to still participate in something that brought you joy or continues to bring you joy without supporting the person who's causing harm otherwise. Yeah, I I think it's a really important distinction and conversation to have because with something like Harry Potter, like you said, you can go to the library. You can you can check out a book. Also, like it's been so long, like the height of the, the Harry Potter peak, I feel like that happened already. You know? It never ends for me. Well, okay, yeah. I never got into Harry Potter. I wasn't you? allowed to. It's not my fault. How dare you? It's witchcraft. Ah. <laughs> I'm a witch, so that adds up. Valid. Um, but it's I think with things that are older as well, it's kind of like mm, especially especially with like books. I don't know. Something about the written word feels not exempt, but like there's so many workarounds for not like to not financially support uh, people. Um, but I think it, it becomes a lot different if it's like, you know, someone who's like an up and coming artist or someone who's actively releasing new music. You can make the choice to actively not support that. Yeah, like how famous are they going to be if everyone stops listening to your whatever new release and it goes from being in the top of charts to no longer being relevant? That'll prevent people from being successful financially or lose opportunity. And then it removes the platform that they have to be spewing hate or misinformation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, that's really important. Like, for example, like, not, I don't want to go fully into this person, like, purposely left them in the, off the list, but like James Charles. Oh, um, boy. What I think is relevant to say is the deplatforming of him by other parties. Like, hold him accountable. Yeah, Morphe, stop. Get rid of him. We do not want that. YouTube demonetizing him. Like, those are the things that create action and hold people accountable and show that there are consequences for their actions. And not that I like love how it's being handled, but those are the examples, right? Actually following through um, and preferably more. So people are like really punished for their behavior. Because some people simply do not deserve a platform. I think that also needs to be put into everyone's mind. Not everyone deserves a platform. If you are constantly spewing hate, if you are actively harming people, if you are spewing dangerous misinformation, you don't deserve a platform. And I think, too, in that same vein of, like, clearly powerful people are exempt from consequences, severe consequences. Just because someone is a known predator doesn't mean that they are going to be arrested like you know they should be real consequences um but if we can't control that if we can't get r kelly behind bars if we can't get james charles to be accountable for grooming all these other um people who often you know of course lines with essay and grooming and other variations of um, abuse but a lot of those people aren't held to the same standards as random person. Um, and 
you know, the best we can do is punish them by losing their platform, by demonetizing them, and, you know, having some consequences that maybe matter to them. So, yeah, cancel culture is really convoluted because obviously, as we've navigated through this conversation, there's there's positives to the whole concept. People should be held accountable. Clearly, you get that by now because we probably said the word accountable 600 times. And they should have consequences for their actions, especially when they're causing harm. But the nuance of this conversation is that people need to be given the space to grow and learn from their mistakes. And we are not allowing that by just simply canceling them and preventing people from, you know, making amends and being forgiven. Um, And I think that's really important because I think until we as a community can be more forgiving and empathetic to people, we're not going to, we're only going to be met with defensiveness and those people aren't going to get any better. Um, So I just think it's for positivity to, and people to become better and not cause harm. We need to make sure that we're meeting people with demands rather than, you know, just deleting them off the internet. <laughs> and at the end of the day, cancel culture is canceled. Amen. Drops mic. <laughs> Bam. It's canceled. We're canceling it. <laughs> it's over. It's done with. And we have the power to decree that. Yeah, it's, you know, a very semi-listened-to podcast by two randos in the New York, New Jersey area. Have the power. We have the power. Well, since we're um, not problematic for now, <laughs> since we're behaving. Nice. Uh, <laughs> always leave that wiggle room. <laughs> Uh, never say never <laughs> loopholes jk jk uh accountability always especially for ourselves um we all know i'm a big fan of that considering i oh yeah cancel myself every episode i'm like aaron you remember that time you did that bad thing let's bring it up no one everybody. has to cancel you because you will cancel yourself first i'll beat them to the punch and then you hold me accountable for my bad jokes it's a, we are the perfect duo Naturally, the best friendship that we all need. Um, if you want to continue this lovely journey with us and join the conversation, or just, you know, frankly, join the friendship. It's a pretty cool one. Uh, you can find us in all the places. Come on, tell them where. You can find us on Instagram at Rebels Advocate Pod, mm-hmm. on Twitter at Rebels ADV Pod, and on the general interwebs at Rebels Advocate Pod.wordpress.com. Wow, my brain's broken. (laughs) (laughs) Evening podcasting is hard. And I'm on vacation mode already. She's already there. Um, Yeah, so stay tuned. Follow us on all the places. Leave us a five-star review. Subscribe where you listen. Um, According to the poll, most of you listen on uh, Apple Pod Spotify. Um, I'm a Spotify girl myself. So... You know, make sure you're just subscribing there so you're notified when we release new episodes every Tuesday. Click that button. Bye. Bye.